Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. This is your culinary culture and lifestyle show that celebrates food and wine and health and tech and travel and all things delicious, of course. I like to say this is a place for people who love to cook or love to eat. If you are one or both, then we can definitely be friends. But if you have a passion for cooking, even better, because I'm sharing inspired recipes worthy of a celebration and dressing your holiday table this hour. So you should stay tuned because you just might learn something. I'll keep you updated every weekend on the food scene. We'll take deep explorations of a broad range of culinary topics, and I'll always give you a reason to overeat. I am always serving up seconds at chefjamie.com where you'll find thousands of recipes, and I hope that you'll check out my daily dish, mostly gluttonous and sometimes shameless, on social at Chef Jamie Gwen. With that said, we have a full plate and I am serving it up today and I am beyond excited. I asked a really good friend to stop by and I am elated and delighted to tell you that coming up, I'm sharing a conversation with a gentleman considered a king in the culinary world, a gentleman I am so proud to call my mentor and friend one who does not do many radio interviews anymore, but I asked and he graciously obliged. The Bam Man, yes, we call him King Emeril, Emeril Lagasse is here to catch us up on food and family and his endeavors. So please stay tuned because if you're a fan, it is an absolutely killer conversation that you will not want to miss. But before we get to the culinary conversation with great culinary thinkers, I like to share a tutorial of sorts at the start of this show, one that will make you the best cook you know, I like to say. And once December rolls around, I start thinking better brunch or brilliant brunch or beautiful baked breakfast because the weather turns cold and we try to slow down a bit and gather friends and family more and more every day, right? And one of the best parts about weekend winter mornings is a piping hot breakfast to me. And this is a great way to gather to celebrate. I happen to love a savory baked breakfast like a strata or a quiche or breakfast enchiladas, or even sweetbread puddings, of course. And waking up to the smell of a cheesy, bready egg casserole or baked French toast all puffed and golden on a holiday morning, or any morning for that matter, is perfection to me. But it's make-ahead perfection. So these are my best breakfast and brunch ideas that range in taste from cheesy goodness to gooey goodness, but they're mostly prep-ahead dishes that will definitely brighten the season. So to warm you up to the idea, these are my best recipe ideas to feed a crowd breakfast or lunch straight from the oven. 
you could make my easy baked brioche French toast, which you assemble the bread and custard mixture the night before, and then you literally wake up and pop it in the oven from the refrigerator, and you watch it rise, and you serve it with a snowfall of powdered sugar, and who doesn't love brioche French toast, right? Now, you could saute crumbled chorizo, And breakfast potatoes, let's say the night before everyone's coming over for a brilliant breakfast or brunch. And then you store that saute pan in the fridge. And then the next morning, you bring it back up to temperature and you top it with eight whole eggs, almost like... um, what we call eggs in purgatory, right? When you do it in tomato sauce, you make a little divot for each of the eggs. You break them in, crack them into that small indentation, and then you bake it at 350 degrees for about 12 minutes. And you have this beautiful potato chorizo egg hash, essentially. Or you could make a big frittata with seasonal veggies and goat cheese or maybe prosciutto and caramelized onions or zucchini and ricotta. And then you could chill it overnight and then you could reheat in the oven until it's warmed through and serve it at room temperature, cut into wedges. I like to do this for a breakfast buffet and I put out lots of brilliant toppings. I love a spicy creme fraiche to dollop on top. And you could serve it hot or cold, or room temperature, because I happen to love a picnic frittata, as I call it. It's good no matter how you eat it. And then breakfast breads, of course, made in advance, like uh, the banana bread phenomenon that happened during the pandemic. I make um, banana pecan. I like orange pecan too. And then you make sweetened mascarpone and you put out a lovely jam. And on a holiday morning, you serve piping hot coffee in this beautiful breakfast bread you make. Or you could make a strata. Angels sing when you make a strata, I have to say. It's a savory bread pudding, by the way, because bread puddings can be sweet or savory. And you can use just about any bread. You can use a leftover French bread with the crust trimmed. I like using croissants. Uh, You could use your favorite sourdough if you wanted. And then you can sub out whatever cheese you love. I make a brie and herb strata because I'm big on brie, but you could use like a cambazola, a blue-veined brie, uh, or a triple cream brie, uh, or you could use, let's say, a mix of cheeses that you have in the cheese drawer, but it's really super simple to make. All you do is butter the casserole dish, right? And you put the bread into a mixing bowl and you pour half and half preferably or milk or cream and you let it soak. And then you add beaten eggs to make a custard, season with salt and pepper and layer it with cheese and chopped herbs, letting all that custard soak and seep into the spaces between the bread. And then you sprinkle with Parmesan cheese so you get that sort of tang of salty deliciousness and dot it with butter. By the way, you can make it ahead, cover it and chill it. Just bring it to room temperature before you bake it. And then at 350 degrees, about 45 minutes to an hour later, you have this puffed golden brown, beautiful egg casserole. And who doesn't love a strata? Seconds, please. Yes. The recipe is posted, by the way, at chefjamie.com. And I hope that you will 
steal it, of course. Coming up next week, by the way, can't wait to share with you some gifts of food. Now is the time. Well, I mean, you can wait the week, but now is the time to start your kitchen sink Kahlua if you're planning to give Kahlua as a gift of food this holiday season. I also have a winter sangria kit to share with you and some homemade extracts that I think are just wonderful gifts for those food lovers in your life. So tune in next weekend because... I have delicious ideas to make you a culinary hero with your friends and family. Because an edible homemade gift, by the way, is always devoured. All right. It's time for food news this week. Before we get to King Emerald, in fact. And I'm really thrilled to be able to share this information and to support a longtime friend. So I was raised by a single mom. I am a, a single mommy myself and a woman in business. And I like to support other women in business. And a dear friend moved to New Zealand many years ago, in fact, and, and made a leap and has a passion and has always been in the food industry. Well, she recently launched a website called Love from New Zealand. And who knew that there were so many delectable food products coming out of this absolutely beautiful, gorgeous place. They are New Zealand-made products carefully selected with love. It's an online store that gives you an artisan food marketplace featuring products from New Zealand. And there's a range of goods, I will tell you, um, but so many of them are lovely and delicious and tried and tested. And so I hope you will check it out. If you have a connection to New Zealand, uh, if you'd like to connect with this really extraordinary place, I know that my friend Linda would love to share the warmth. The website, once again, is Love from New Zealand, and you have to check it out. All right, that's my pay it forward for this week, helping out a friend, and I hope that you'll support too. But I mostly hope that you will not touch your dial, because coming up, he is truly one of the finest gentlemen I know. We are catching up with Chef Emeril Lagasse right after this. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio Please don't go away. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. So here goes. When I say that I have the privilege of knowing great culinary thinkers, in this instance, it is a grand understatement because this next conversation is quite a coup. Emeril Lagasse has redefined what it is to be a modern chef and culinary entrepreneur. He is the restaurateur and television cooking maestro who really needs no introduction. 
Over the past 31 years, Emerald has opened 21 restaurants. There are 11 currently in the family and the exciting one aboard Carnival Cruise Line's Mardi Gras ship. He's hosted more than 2,000 shows on the Food Network, Cooking Channel, and beyond. He has 19 best-selling cookbooks and too many, well, never too many, so many James Beard Award wins under his belt to name. I will tell you that I am immensely proud to call this gentleman my friend. I have had the privilege of knowing him, working with him and for him for half of my life now. And he is truly the finest gentleman I know. So when I asked Chef if he would come on and catch up with us, which he doesn't do very often on the radio anymore, he graciously obliged. And so, ladies and gentlemen, it is with tremendous pride and gratitude that I present to you Emerald Lagasse. My friend. Yes. Long time now. You know, I was trying to count the years. I believe I was. No, don't do that. Okay. I I think it's 25. (laughs) I think it's 25 years that I have the privilege of knowing you sacred about that number but anyhow oh it's true and having worked for you and with you and and you and you and i are not even that old no 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 i just turned 29 again i'm sure you did too (laughs) uh, catch us up tell us how you are post pandemic and um and emeralds reopening which by the way was on my birthday thank you for that well you know it's at least (laughs) what i could do you know, a, a nice birthday prize with my one of my dear friends That's on the planet. Quite a celebration. Um, you know, things, things are well. I mean, you yeah. know, I mean, it is what it is. Look, folks, we got to live with this. That's you know? right. We got to, we got a way, we got to figure out a way how to weave and wobble and duck and whatever we got to do. And that's what we're doing. And it's just like, look, do the right things. Um, and as far as my world, it's just like, look, you know. Um, you know, I went through, uh, you know, a year and a half or 16 months, whatever, of nonsense like all of us did. Not going to complain. We could complain together. Who's going to listen? <laughs> Not really a lot of people because it's the same story. Hmm. So what you got to do is you just got to kind of dig deep and, and kind of, you know, move forward. That's what we're doing. Um, I don't have, um, I don't have, you know, as many operations open. I basically have uh, two stores in, in Las Vegas, uh, Del Monaco Steakhouse, uh, Emerald's Fish House, and the MGM. Uh, had to close a couple of places there. Um, Del Monaco's have, has always been my favorite, Chef. You know that. I, you know, and we have Merrill in, in, in New Orleans. We just, as you said, we just reopened the flagship four weeks ago, at, uh, five weeks ago, whatever, uh, Emerald's in New Orleans. Right, but reinvented, so reinvented. Talk about that, if you would, because this is something that... I don't know everyone knows about you. We know and love you for all of these years as the BAM man who, and you have pivoted and ebbed and flowed and reinvented yourself extraordinarily. But there's something to be said for, for your business acumen, for the, from the restaurateur standpoint. And I think what you're doing with Emeralds is quite extraordinary. This is an, a new aspiration and you're always reaching for that. It's one of the things I love most about you. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, listen, uh, Jamie, as you know, we were getting ready to celebrate our 30th anniversary, Emerald's wow. the flagship on Chapatula Street in New Orleans. Wow. And then this nonsense happened, so mm-hmm. we had to postpone that. Mm-hmm. Rather than postponing it, 
you know, Alden and I just decided, hey, look, we're going to take this opportunity. When most people paused or stopped, we renovated. Hmm. And we had the vision that we're eventually going to reopen Emerald. It's our flagship restaurant. And not only are we going to reopen it, but we're going to we're going to we're going to do it even better and so the restaurant the restaurant is really it's the same restaurant but it's not the same restaurant it's Mm -hmm. because it's refined so i hired the creative director before the pandemic i hired the creative director from laverna den um who worked with ej ej being my son you're 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 immensely talented a uh, best budding chef in the world, son. Everyone should know. I had a chance to cook alongside him a couple of years ago. Let me tell you, he he is the next James Beard Award winner. He is. Well, well, thank you. So basically, we knew that what, what we were going to do, we were going to refine emeralds, and we weren't going to be the same restaurant. We were going to have the same flavors, the same intensity, mm-hmm. but we were going to do it better. Mm. And so... We refine the entire restaurant, not only from a service perspective, from a decor perspective, but from a menu perspective. You can still get the barbecue shrimp, but the barbecue shrimp is refined. It's not like it's not like the old barbecue shrimp. Hmm. Uh, it's the new barbecue shrimp, but it, it but it's refined. And basically, uh, it's predominantly, I would say, fifty percent is tasting menu. We have a vegetarian tasting. And a chef tasting Fabulous. that we do every night. Wow! And um, I believe it's—I it, I really believe, Jamie, that it, it, it's probably some of the most cutting-edge food that I've ever done, but yet with such flavor and integrity hmm. and deliciousness as hmm. it's been. Everything I've always known from the time that I remember a paper chef's hat working the line at Emeralds on Chapatulas when my mom sat at the chef's counter and watched me learn from you. Your food has always had that extraordinary integrity. And as you say, to step it up a notch, to take it up a notch, that's Michelin star aspiration. That's next level. And I think that's what's brilliant about you is that you're taking it to the next level. I want the world to know that so many of the reasons for where I am today uh, are because of you, because of your friendship and guidance and mentorship and training and passion and love. And I cannot tell you, uh, there is not a man in my life I am prouder to say that I know and love than you, Emeril Lagasse, and you know that, and your wife knows that, and your children know that, and I have been welcomed into the family for so many years, and for that I am forever grateful. Thank you for catching up with us. Thank you for keeping us present with what's going on with you. Well, we love you and Thank you. Uh, best to your family. Yes. And, <laughs> I uh, can't wait for you to meet my son, Chef. I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't you. wait. I can't wait. That's all I can say. I know. Love you. Happy holidays. Baby. I love you too. Happy holidays. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, he is Chef Emeril Lagasse and there is no one like him, no doubt.
Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio and season's eatings to you. Do you want to cook like a pro? Well, you found the right place. Because if you're tired of racking your brain for new and interesting ways to cook vegetables, Rebecca Lindemood to the rescue. Yes, you know her from her award-winning and super fabulous blog, Foodie with Fam, of course. Her third cookbook just released, the author of Not Your Mama's Canning Book and Ready, Set, Dough, has just released a book entitled The Ultimate Guide to Vegetable Side Dishes, making it easy and tasty to incorporate more vegetables into everyday cooking. It is full of mouth-watering recipes from cauliflower bacon cheddar tots to her roasted honey and ginger carrots to whipped feta stuffed cherry tomatoes I can't wait to make. And Rebecca's new book will get you excited to finish your vegetables for sure. It's really a dinner game changer, in my opinion, when your side dishes are elevated. And so we're going to make meal changers for you right now. I love having Rebecca on the show. She is filled with talent and enthusiasm and a passion for food. She is also the mother of five fabulous boys and a full-time food blogger, amongst many other things. She's a wonderful cook, and you'll love her ideas. And Rebecca, I am so delighted to have you back on the show. Welcome and happy holidays. Thank you. Happy holidays, Jamie. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you for having me back. Yes, of course. Congratulations. You know, I have to say, when you say vegetable side dishes, I almost feel like we should say Mm-hmm, like ho-hum, right? You think to yourself, yeah. oh, I'll make the same old blank. And um, I took your book to bed with me. Um, don't tell your <laughs> husband. And, um, and I loved page after page marking everything I couldn't wait to make and really inspired recipes. And I think at this time, at the end of the year, certainly a wonderful refresher, well, I wanted to I wanted to bring some fun back to vegetable side dishes because, <laughs> yes. like you said, so often we think of this as an obligatory part of the meal. It's a it's an afterthought. All of the effort goes into our main dish. When we have the opportunity to lay a rainbow, literal and figurative, on our table, that makes everything more fun and prettier. Yeah, definitely. So, so. This, is, this is my love letter to vegetables. When and and that it is when you add bright color and exciting flavors in the side dishes, I think it elevates the rest of the meal. Like there is something sure very does. sensory about it, right? So we have to cook together because uh, I'll start on page fourteen. I couldn't get past that. And by the way, there's like an introduction and uh, you know lots of insight. Uh, along with a table of contents. So really, it's probably the first recipe in the book. But let's talk the basics first. You make mashed potatoes with cream cheese, and that delights me because I put cream cheese in everything. Well, I I have joked before that I should have been born in Philadelphia because <laughs> cream cheese, it completes me. It fills the holes in my heart, yes. so to speak. Yes, I just... I love cream cheese, and it does such magical things for mashed potatoes. It's an emulsifier, it's, I, I will say. It is. Definitely so. And it does add a mouthfeel that is hard to beat. The other beautiful part of this is that you don't have to add any milk if you're mm. adding cream cheese. Hmm. So smart. So I just add butter and cream cheese. And, and everybody comes back for more of these potatoes. Oh, definitely so. Are you a ricer or a... 
masher or a smasher? It depends on what I'm serving it with. For okay. the most part, my my personal preference is to rice it. Me too. Um, if if I'm just doing a quick family meal and we want to have mashed potatoes on the table, I'm probably likely not to peel them, and I'll just give them a quick smash with a potato masher. Yes. But it, you know, it, it really depends on the circumstances. But if if I have my druthers, those potatoes will be rice. Yeah, my my Thanksgiving mashed potatoes, if I may humbly say, were stellar. And they were riced. And it was worth every bicep push to get them <laughs> riced. And a big pot of mashed potatoes for three of us, by the way. Um, he did love well, mashed potatoes, though, I will tell you, my son. Oh, did he say, love that them. wonderful son. Oh, the mouthfeel was just immense. Um, and from mashed to roasted... Um, I can't wait to make your buffalo roasted potatoes. I love buffalo anything. I do too, and I—I I mean, part of that is part of that is geography. I live <laughs> very near to Buffalo, yes, and I spend about six days a week in the city of Buffalo. So I feel like I've got a pretty solid claim to have a good handle on what constitutes a buffalo potato. Yes, and so give us the lowdown. You make big batches of garlic buffalo wing sauce. Which is so smart, right? You keep them in mason jars in the fridge, I assume, and you then use it for everything. I love to have a jar of buffalo garlic sauce in the refrigerator because my kids like to put it on everything, for starters. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's really easy to make a large batch of it and then just kind of have it available for whoever wants it. I have one child who will eat half of a, of a hard-boiled <laughs> egg and fill it with garlic buffalo sauce. Oh, no, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. Yeah, and he drinks the buffalo sauce and then eats the egg. Very smart. And these buffalo roasted potatoes, I notice, and one of the things I love about the way you cook is you are very um, sensical about time and timing, but you are a high heat oven girl. And I am too. And I think we should talk about that before we dig deeper into buffalo roasted potatoes because veggie side dishes roasted at high heat as opposed to anything lower are really far more stellar. They are. They, the texture is something that you can't get from a lower heat oven. Mm-hmm. You can get a, a nice slow caramelization in something in a, in a low heat oven. But if you want that shattering crisp outside and that super fluffy inside on a potato... You don't have an alternative. It has to go into a hot oven. Yes. So you roast these at 450 degrees. That's correct. And yeah. and they get all golden. And the buffalo wing sauce seeps in, right? I mean, you, you really get depth of flavor here. You sure do. Mm. And you, you don't have the buffalo sauce on the potatoes through the entire process. Right. So you're, you're developing that crust on the potato before you toss it with the buffalo sauce. And then you pop it back in to finish roasting, and that's when it really soaks into that crunchy crust mm. and makes a potato that's hard to stop eating. Yeah, no, no doubt. Addictive. Craveable, I like to say. Okay, you've made me hungry. All right, we're, um, we're switching vegetables, I should say. Uh, because, by yeah. the way, if you've just tuned in, you're late. Rebecca Lindemood is here. The new book release, The Ultimate Guide to Vegetable Side Dishes, 14 different veggies from broccoli to zucchini. A to Z. Um, And let's talk (laughs) broccoli if we could. Okay, I have a broccoli stem story. But before that, share with us, you're a broccoli stem kind of person. 
And I love that about you. Yes. Well, I have a, I, I do my best to produce zero waste in the kitchen. Good That's for you. not always entirely possible. But when it comes to broccoli, there's no part of broccoli that goes to waste in my kitchen. Hmm. The stem is fantastic. Yes. I don't know why more people don't love it. So I like to shave it up and toss it with a vinaigrette. And in this case, I have two broccoli stem salads in the book. One of them has feta, golden raisins, and toasted nuts. Oh, that's the one I'm making. Yeah, they all just complement each other so nicely. It's a riot of texture Mm. and of different flavors. It's, It's wonderful. Yeah, yummy. So I was introduced to the idea of utilizing broccoli stems many years ago when I was a child, a kid. At five, my mother um, told me at the sushi bar that everything was tuna fish. So I ate it. And the sushi (laughs) chef, who we still have a relationship with today, a lot of years later, he would take the stems of the broccoli and peel just the exterior and leave them like a little tree stump as a garnish on the plate, Rebecca. And it was crunchy and juicy and delicious. And I remember loving them. And so as I grew up and came up in the world as a chef, I've always utilized the stems. Now, even if I'm roasting the florets, I will peel just the rough exterior, the fibrous exterior of the stem. And that's my chef's treat. I snack on the stems while I'm cooking the rest of the vegetables. So when I saw you You making shaved broccoli stem salad, I was overjoyed, really. Rebecca, I don't want to let you go, and we have to take a quick break. Will, will you keep all your vegetable ideas brewing and stay with us, please? I would be thrilled to. I'm Thank delighted. You. Good. When we come back, I have two words. And how could you not want to make it? Tomato inception. Yes, we are dishing with Rebecca Lindemood, the ultimate guide to vegetable side dishes. Up your game. And don't touch your dial. There's lots more fabulous food in your radio right after this. Don't go away. Delighting your palate with informative, entertaining, and delicious conversation. Well, at least I hope you think so. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Rebecca Lindemood is here. The blog Foodie with Fam. Her third cookbook just released, The Ultimate Guide to Vegetable Side Dishes. Because you no longer have to rack your brain for new and interesting ways to cook veggies. Where we left off, Rebecca? Tomato Inception. Okay, do tell. That's right. (laughs) Okay. So when I was putting together this tomato inception dish, and I realized I had tomato within tomato within tomato, all I could think about was the movie Inception. It may have been due to the fact that my kids were watching it for the umpteenth time in the other room, 
but it just seems like an appropriate way to describe a dish that was using so many forms of tomato <laughs> together in one pan to create almost like a super tomato dish, super concentrated, very um, fragrant, very flavorful, full of every type of tomato that you can remember tasting. Okay, so what would you call this? Would you call this tomato casserole, tomato pie, crustless tomato pie? I mean, I I have to tell you, along with meat or with anything, with any protein, you could serve this beautiful dish. Yes, I think, honestly, if I was going to describe it most accurately, it would probably be a crustless tomato pie. Okay. It has a lot of flavor of that southern-style tomato pie that has a pimento cheese-type mm, topping. Yes. But it does not have a lower crust. So this is, this is a scoopable casserole, but it still tastes like a tomato pie. Right, and it has everything I love in it. If I may run down, uh, you have ingredients that call for Roma tomatoes or plum, right? And then mm-hmm. uh, onion and garlic. There's sun-dried tomatoes, which I love. Put in anything. There's tomato paste. There's basil and thyme, and shredded sharp cheddar, and shredded mozzarella. And then there is the key ingredient, which makes everything better, mayonnaise. And then of course. hot sauce, and panko crumbs, and olive oil. How could it be bad? You know, when you top anything with crunchy, garlicky breadcrumbs, oh, yum. I'm, I'm going to eat it. Yes. I, you I, know, I, I may just go wait. for the topping if the rest is sad, but I will eat it. As it happens... Every part of this makes me happy. Mm. I am a Brussels sprouts fan. I think America has embraced Brussels sprouts over the past many years. You can get them on the vine. You can get them already cleaned. You can shave them in a salad. You um, and I share a love for uh, air fried Brussels sprouts. And I loved your crispy air fried Brussels sprouts with a sweet and spicy glaze recipe. Oh, that one makes me happy. That's Mm. one where I can... I can kind of ignore the, the main dish if this is on the table. Talk Brus- uh, Brussels sprouts with grapes and walnuts because that will be the first Brussels sprouts recipe from your cookbook that I make. You may want to write a note to yourself, giving yourself permission to eat two and stopping. Oh, oh, you, you finished because the tray, didn't you? I did. It was ridiculous. <laughs> and it felt great while I was eating it. And it did not feel great later. I gotcha. Yeah, no, in moderation. I ate the entire pan sure. of Brussels sprouts by myself. With grapes and walnuts. The grapes get all blistery on the sheet pan and the walnuts all toasted. What a lovely combo. Yeah, and when you pull that hot pan out of the oven, you mm-hmm. hit it with a little balsamic vinegar mm. and some coarse sea salt flakes mm. over the top and then you get the texture from the salt and the, the balsamic vinegar bubbles up on the hot sheet pan and oh. reduces itself just enough and it plays so nicely with the grapes and the Brussels sprout that's, and the walnut. That's just beautiful. So smart. Um, can we talk about the oven a little longer, please? Because sure. I saute mushrooms in a saute pan. Very chef-like. I talk about it a lot. You don't salt them until they've released their natural water content. Um, it's a process. I embrace it. But then as I'm turning the pages of your book, I see the oven seared mushrooms and the crispy roasted radishes. And you really do use the oven and your cast iron and your sheet pans to your benefit. I do. I make them do the work for me. Yes. I, I was trained to cook mushrooms in a saute pan as well. And I, there is nothing like those in the world. They, they are fantastic when they're made that way. But every now and then, I just don't have the time to babysit it. Of course. 
And using this super high temperature on a metal pan takes so much of the babysitting out of the equation. Yeah, it's so you smart. You heat the pan up while you're heating up the oven, and it is screaming hot, and you throw the mushrooms on there, you're getting that beautiful caramelization mm. with a fraction of the effort. Yeah, that's, that's brilliant. 475 degrees. And the secret is to heat the pan as the oven comes up to temp. That's right. You can't throw the cold pan in there and expect it to do the same thing. It's, it's got to be in there getting blisteringly hot with the oven. Sure. You really have a, put a, a gorgeous collection of recipes together using very available store-bought ingredients, Rebecca, that shares new inspiration. And kudos to you. You know, I'm, I, I see, like you do, a lot of cookbooks past my, my desk and my kitchen counter. Um, and this book of yours, this third, you've, you've really outdone yourself. It is full of glorious inspiration, and I am so excited to cook from it. Uh, so thank you for sharing your passion. As always, we love having you here. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yes. And have, have some wonderful holidays. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of truly delicious conversation. And I hope that you thought so. I hope you'll continue to tune in throughout the holiday season so that I can add delicious inspiration to your life and feed your soul. I will leave you with my last bite for the hour, my last ounce or tidbit of gastronomic inspiration, as I like to call it. I love coconut, just for the record. Do you? My go-to cookie at the holidays is a super simple three-ingredient macaroon. Not the French style, but rather the coconut base. Uh, You can actually air fry them if you didn't know. I share a recipe for air fried or oven baked, and then I dip them in bittersweet chocolate and... I indulge or I gift them or sometimes I crumble them over ice cream or a baked apple and sometimes I eat them for breakfast because coconut is a fruit, right? They are three-ingredient coconut macaroons. They're gluten-free, vegetarian, a snap to make, and super scrumptious. And so I will post the recipe on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram on my social pages at Chef Jamie Gwen. Please check it out and let me know how your macaroons turn out. I will meet you here next weekend when I promise lots more fabulous food. I hope you stay healthy. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off and I hope you continue to eat well.